Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Culture Gaming. I'm Scott, joined by Josh. Hello, Scott. Josh, my friend, another video about God of War spoilers. You have been warned. Big, full-on, end-game, all-game spoilers, um, because we're going to talk about the general reaction to God of War Ragnarok, and especially its ending, especially the final third, because I feel like as a lot more people have finished the game, there's an emerging conversation of, is that it, in regards to what Ragnarok actually is, in regards to what the final fight actually is, and then various things that um, kind of tie into that in terms of pacing issues, or what could be perceived as pacing issues. Um, but we're going to balance that out with some more positive stuff, because I feel like why it's so divisive. I don't feel like it's being held up as, or we don't feel it's being held up as just a general, this thing sucks. No. It's just that there's a bit of back and forward in regards to what people like and what they don't. Um, so yeah. Before we get in, it's kind of like what you want out of the story. I think the people who wanted like answers to the law, who were in for like the actual plot beats of the, the mythology, the horn, the Jormungandr, stuff like that, they, from what I've gathered on Reddit and Twitter, seem more annoyed than the people kind of like me who are more interested in the thematics and like the character psychology and stuff and I don't think one's necessarily wrong because if you're into the law stuff I do have issues with how that how that rolls out over the end yeah, yeah I just want to clarify before we start no same I think that we kind of compliment each other in that regard because I do like I think the the side of it that's like you guys seeded this thing and you didn't pay it off like as much as they could have I think that is a valid talking point but I think or we think overall there is way more in that game to talk about yeah. than that is more valid but we'll get there and we'll try and cover as much stuff as possible um, let's go with the most meatiest thing which is Ragnarok itself, the depiction of the potential end of the world, the end of the realms, the collapsing of the realms, and the way that the game presents it. I think a lot of people were expecting something more akin to um, Kratos leading an army. There's a whole thing across the game of whether or not he's going to you know, give in to his old warrior ways, become a general, like Atreus said. Um, and towards the end, you are bringing various characters together to make the stand against Odin to fight across Asgard. Um, and then the reality of that gameplay sequence is a series of quite small fights against over three or four enemies, little pockets of enemies, in various walled-off arenas, and yeah. then eventually a final fight against Thor and uh, Odin. Um, what do you think of that? I didn't personally mind that, but I get why people were expecting something grander. And I, I totally see that as well. You know, for me, the actual set piece itself was still a spectacle. Mm. It wasn't, you know, on the level of the original God of War trilogy or anything <laughs> like that. I would have liked, personally, to have been fighting up Ragnarok itself somehow. That would have given me vibes <laughs> from the previous games. But I also get why it is presented as it is as well, because mm. obviously they're planning this war, like, last minute. They quickly scramble to try to unite the realms, and ultimately, a lot of those realms don't actually turn up, you know? Like, the, no. the, the, the warping towers get destroyed before some armies can 
even properly arrived. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of this thing that um, starts or finishes before it's even properly started. And yeah. I see why people are kind of annoyed by that. It was still, in that specific example, enough of a spectacle for me to still enjoy it and not feel so, like it had been kind of like downsized. To me, it was still epic to see Jormungandr and Thor fighting, even if it was in the background, mm. to see the elves coming in above you, to see Ragnarok emerge after you think that he might not turn up and start absolutely decimating people with his giant sword. Yep. There was still enough there where I was like, mm, that looks sick. It does. It looks incredible. I feel like an overall conversation as well in regards to God of War Ragnarok is almost like that Marvel feel to bits and pieces of it. And that bit, the whole sequence at the end does feel like um, the big final fight in Endgame where it's like so much is kicking off in yeah. the foreground, in the micro, and then also in the macro, in the background and everything. And it does feel very epic. Like I said, I thought it worked well enough. I wasn't sitting there going, I'm not satisfied. But like I said, I totally get that you could have had on on screen, you could have taken full advantage of the PlayStation 5's SSD, but then it wouldn't be on PS4. As a mission, I think it's good. I mm. just do agree with people who say the ending is a little bit rushed. That doesn't yeah, like yeah. ruin the game for me by any means. I still think the ending is good mm. overall, but from the big tier twist onwards, yes. I feel like the plot points come thick and fast. Yeah. Like the uniting of the realms feels like a big deal, and yet it's all done off screen in the space of five minutes. The characters just go and do it. And again, it's it doesn't mind I'm not annoyed too much because mm. we get where we need to be, but considering how slow and methodical the plotting had been up until then it just kind of feels strange for instance that we spend a few hours in a dwarven like um, labyrinth at the start of the game <laughs> yeah. and yet we quickly run through some what I would perceive as major plot points like the uniting of the realms mm. like the attack on Asgard itself it's like in isolation the, the core components aren't bad by any means in no. fact they're good mm. it's just so much happens at the end of the game that it feels like you know, could they have split this into two games rather than I think one? that's the overarching thing is that a lot of people didn't realize. And even as we were like leading up to launch, it wasn't that obvious that this is the last game in the Norse mythology. I know it's been talked about and it's been in some interviews where sort of Corey said, look, this is the last game in the Norse mythology. And we didn't want to spend, you know, 15 years overall with the same set of plot lines and characters and stuff. Um, but very recently, he's just said that they are going to do another game. The idea that what happened to Jormungandr, how, we, how that thing went back through time will be answered in a different game. We've done a whole other video on that, so go check that one out. Um, but there is that idea of maybe at some point it was sketched out as a trilogy, various work was done on cutscenes and characters and levels, etc. Um, that as the story progressed, I know the game development isn't linear and no. whatever, but it does feel like parts of the game were more belabored than others with the, the with the view of doing something else down the line that then couldn't happen or for whatever reason, or whether that was just a choice or whatever. Um, but like, um, like Josh said, there are specific things that just feel kind of cut off. Um, the idea that um, Freya, not Freya, but Freya um, her brother, um, is trying to unite um, the light and dark elves and just says, I'm going to attempt to unite the elves, yeah. flies off, and then flies back in during Ragnarok and just says, yeah, it's done. Yes. And it's just kind of like, oh, okay, sure. Um, I think that's taken alongside uh, the background Jormungandr stuff when that was a big, big plot point from 2018, um, and the, the, who blew the horde and stuff like that. Um, it does kind of stand out. And there is also a very protracted, well, potentially protracted, it feels like it jars out of the game story quite a bit, hunting sequence, um, where because of the tear twist, you get Atreus. Um, I like the fact that they, he defaults back to, you know, um, let's go hunting, or same way the Kratos kind of buried his emotions. I get Cost, what they're yeah. trying to do there. Um, you know, what direction in the direction of deer, like whatever. Um, there's all that, but it only lasts for about five minutes. It's immediately pulled yeah. back again. There are two moments in the final run that I do think are genuinely not executed well. Not mm. just that they're rushed or they didn't land as good as they could be, but they are they genuinely fall flat. One right. is that hunting sequence, because yep. you get the big twist with Tia, which is awesome. You get Brock's death, which is incredibly emotional. Oh, yeah. And then it feels like Kratos is done. You know, he says, like, this is me, Atreus, come on, we're going. Yep. 
five minutes later they're going hunting, which again makes sense. I, I get that Atreus kind of wants to do something to take his mind off it. Mm. But then we don't really get the character switch for Kratos where he kind of says, no, we need to go back. It's like, that happens in the space of five minutes yeah. to the point where it's kind of like, well, why even do the change to begin with? You know, True. it felt very quick. And the second thing that I also don't think is very well executed is the turn for Sif who yeah. all the way through the game, you know, very clearly does not like Odin and is trying <laughs> to whisper in Thor's ear to say, look, stand up to your father. Mm -hmm. But the last time we see her before her kind of like, she helps you in the final uh, like act, mm -hmm. is her sicking the Valkyries on you and sicking uh, Thor <laughs> specifically saying like, kill Atreus, yeah. look what he's done. And we don't get to see her kind of making amends with Atreus or wanting to work with Kratos, who killed her children, by the way. These Very two true. people yeah. killed her children. And yes, you could argue it's partly Odin's fault, but you would think that she would have more of a, uh, a grudge there. And it was yeah. just that character moment just didn't feel as earned as it would have in a in a in in an ending that kind of had more time to breathe and more time to develop those certain mm -hmm. plot points. But in the grand scheme of things, they are kind of like two moments in a game that is so rich. So mm -hmm. it's like... They don't completely drag it down. I just they they stood out. Yeah, no, I definitely back that. I think in that particular thing, I was like, well, I guess Thrud was kind of always on Atreus' side, and Sif cares about Thrud because you have that scene. You can walk into them talking in the uh, one of the bedrooms when you're in Asgard, and I was like, oh, if Thrud, if that's what Thrud wants, then maybe that's what Sif goes with to trust the parents. Kind of like a reflective thing on Kratos going along with what Atreus wants or whatever. But I do agree that there could be way more screen time for that, um, and way more fleshing out of those things. And um, I think those are the biggest negatives. I don't think there's anything else on that side. The mask. Person. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with this either, but it is worth flagging up that mm. I think a lot of people from the discussion that I have seen personally, you guys might differ, uh, seem to be annoyed that the mask and Odin's entire plan ultimately announced to, amounts to nothing yeah. because Atreus breaks the mask. Mm. We don't get to see what was in the tear or anything like that. It mm. works for me thematically because in that moment, it's Atreus writing his own story. You know, all the way through the game, it's people saying you don't want to know what comes next. You don't want to be dictated by fate. So. If Atreus or even Odin put on the mask and saw all the answers to the universe, mm -hmm. like that would kind of go against the old theme of the message. Yeah. But I kind of also understand people a little bit annoyed that you spend such a large portion of the game putting that mask together, thinking about what could be in the tear, and then ultimately you don't get to see. I think it's a, it's a really, because I had that down as one of the positive things, but it is one of the most divisive elements. Um, but it works for me as this sort of encapsulation of, even if you had all the keys to the universe, even if you had all the answers to the universe, what are you really going to do with them? Like what really matters in your life is likely family, human connection, or actual bonds with people, or humanity. That's probably the thing that you should uh, focus on. That's definitely the message of the game. Um, and when Odin says to Atreus after he's been completely weakened, um, and Atreus is preparing to spare him, and then Odin says, I'll never stop searching. I'll always just keep looking for that next thing, rather than invest time in Thor and his family, etc. Um, Atreus says, I wish you'd never said that, and that's yeah. what leads to his spirit being put in one of the uh, the giant's balls, lol, as a sentence, um, which then leads to Sindri um, smashing him. But, but the, what a hell of a sentence, giant's balls <laughs> and smashing him, but it's, you know, as you do. And uh, But still, I think that that overall message is pretty incredible. I think that's a good reflective thing to have as, a, as an audience, that idea of, you know, the idea of how much were you looking forward to what was inside the mask versus how much can you take away from the depictions of Kratos and Atreus and family in that game. Yes. Um, because that's the thing that really matters and that's kind of what the game is trying to tell you and um, that that is more satisfying than just a nebulous thing through a tear in reality yet again. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Unfortunately for me, I did find that more satisfying. So the ultimate point worked because I think for as much as we've talked about there, about things being rushed, certain things not hitting, a lot of it being divisive, Mm. I honestly don't mind because the character work is so strong. And ultimately, Mm. when I'm playing through Ragnarok, yes, I love the spectacle of it, Mm. but the reason I'm there is for the character relationships and to see how these two are going to reconnect by the end. What is Mm. their relationship going to look like? And the moments that you get that develop their relationship in this final third are in my opinion the best of the entire game so emotional so well done Uh, such turning points for both of them as heroes Mm. as characters as people as gods uh, that yes it's not perfect but it's still bloody good man it's still amazing stuff like that I mean that's a good uh, pivot point because I feel like a lot of the the division the divisiveness the conversation is hinging on the value of the Kratos Atreus stuff and the depictions the cinematics and the general themes of fatherhood manhood parenthood whatever and the things that come from Atreus' side as well of forging your own path as a teenager and growing up um, versus that idea of on paper professorial stuff and paying off the law side of things um, and yes they maybe could have done both um, but I feel like the message of the game is to treasure what, uh, to treasure the family side of it and treasure yeah. the connective side of it connection side of it and the emotion 
emotional side of it more than just um, filling out the law side of it. That said, who blew the horn, Josh? <laughs> who blew the horn? Um, who blew the horn? Who blew the horn? Um, but in terms of covering the positive side of it, like I said, I think this is a specifically, this is a good pivot point um, because one of the best scenes in the game is uh, Kratos very much accepting that Atreus is going to go forward and forge his own path. And literally say, uh, you know, Loki will go, but Atreus will remain. One of the greatest lines in the entire franchise. Christopher Judge's performance. I mean, I just cried everything Kratos does anyway at this stage because I've been with the dude for 17 years. I care a lot that that old dad is feeling. <laughs> um, so I like that a lot. But that scene, um, you know, in that moment, you either knew if that was satisfying enough or not. Totally. Um, and I feel like that's one of the, the best parts about the whole game, the sort of encapsulation of Kratos' journey across 17 years. 100%, man. Like, when I think about the ending, you know, yes, I see Ragnarok causing havoc, but I see that scene I see Kratos in the tent with Atreus mm -hmm. reading him what he thinks might be the final story he ever reads to him kind of like breaking up at the idea that tomorrow everything might change he might not be there Atreus might be going on his own mm. I'm getting chills right now describing <laughs> it and I'm describing it poorly so this is like it still works. to how much it works in the game itself mm -hmm. like yeah it is those it's those moments it's those tender vulnerable moments that you rarely see in any game but it's specifically one about gods uh, killing other gods in the fact that we've got to this point in their relationship that they're willing to open up in that way that to me is the climax of the game that to me is the finale of everything we've been building up towards I would back that too I think that they also give you an extra little layer if you want if you also want that professorial side of it um, you know that box ticks kind of thing obviously you don't get answers to who blew the horn or whatever but you do get a little bit more from Faye the idea that uh, like giants can see the future and can map out the future in various paintings and everything else um, Faye being Kratos' wife the whole reveal at the end of the 2018 game yes. what do you think? I just, I just know where you're going with yeah, it. And I'm already getting like <laughs> excited about what you're going to talk about. The whole idea that you know she sort of mapped out exactly where you were going to go in 2018's game. That's where all those markers were across the level, which they don't really address in this one. But those markers are back again, and um, which they kind of reveal the same thing again at the end of Ragnarok that Faye had seen so much of Kratos's future, and um, that she'd made this mural that shows Kratos as ostensibly the next leader of the realm, ostensibly the next Odin or whoever the people look up to. Yeah, and that's the one thing that finally breaks Kratos, and he sort of has to take a minute and he gets a bit teary eyed, or at least I assume that he does, because. Um, it very much feels like he does and um, just knowing that this person did love him and did want the best for him and did want the best for the realms and that's a good mix of him as a person and the realms as a professorial thing in what a way to end his art oh. man. and i love the line that said to him earlier on in the game you know people are talking about uh, what he even knows what it means to be a god like to you don't know yeah. yeah you don't know even know what it is to be a god yes you're strong yes you've killed other gods yes, you, yes you've come into this realm mm -hmm. but you've never been worshipped mm -hmm. that specifically you've never been worshipped and the implication that you've never been worthy of being worshipped what have you brought <laughs> to the world what have you done for the people and then by the end when he kind of realises that yeah he could be a god that does good he could be a god that people genuinely look up to mm -hmm. he could be considered to be a god in the kind of more metaphorical sense mm -hmm. rather than the literal sense what a way to end that character Which... arc man because he would not have even considered taking on that role in the 2018 game and he no. probably wouldn't have even considered taking on that role at the start of this it's only with what he learns and what he does and how he helps selflessly rather than just for his family that mm. he ends up in that position where Atreus can go and he's not going to be a recluse he's going to be mm. someone who actively helps and um, tries to develop the connections that he's made in the realm. Mm -hmm. Awesome! <laughs> I think that stuff works extremely well. Um, as well, because you have God of War as a franchise has been this, obviously in various different ways, the older games were way more just go happy, super over the top, very, you know, brutal games. I love the whole, uh, all of them. Um, apart from God of War 3, I'm a big God of War 2 guy, but overall though, 
God of War 3 plays really well, it's but he's my, not a good character in no, it. No, it's my, it's my favourite one, man. Uh, the original time. trilogy with it me and this guy. It so well, doesn't it? Can't anyway, stop it. Let's go back. Overall, though, um, yeah, God of War, though, I feel like that general conversation on Godhood and what does it mean to get power, that was the card they played in the 2018 one. They kind of did the thing with the Atreus where he realised he had just, uh, you know, a whole bunch of power that ended up killing uh, Magni and Modi, yeah. um, which meant the Kratos had to reflect on what it's like being around someone who has this power, which is in itself what he did back in God of War 2 when he just realised he was a god and started smashing up. I think it was Athens or whatever at the start of that game um, or, or Rhodes or whatever and um, I think that the whole franchise is this great comment on power that's it kind of ties into Odin never stopping and never getting bigger and never just being satisfied with what you have um, and I think that it all works I think they somehow do bring that stuff together as a 17 year so many thousands of people worked on this arc in a beautiful beautiful way it's really impressive man considering the scale of this game the fact that they nail things to that level mm. I love can we talk about before we finish this, yes. pod- uh, this podcast it feels like a podcast <laughs> we've been talking about this video before we finish this video um, about two like kind of like plot specific and law specific things that I really did like mm. one is the twist with Tia that where you find out it's actually been Odin the entire time yep. and second is Brock's death but specifically the reaction from Sindri yes the Sindri's reaction is so good mm. he has been a character you have been able to trust and who has been wanting the best for everyone mm-hmm. all the way throughout this game and then suddenly he's dealing with the death of his family and you don't get that catharsis of making up with him. He's like, I love that. no, like, like I let you into my home. And whether he's right or wrong about the idea that it's these other characters' faults that his brother died or not, mm-hmm. the fact that he's feeling it, and the fact that you can't blame him for feeling it, he's got to grieve how he wants, mm-hmm. uh, and you can't just make it right through words. I love that man. I well, thought it was such a great twist for that character. But also that idea of, you know, grief being a cycle and understanding being yeah. a cycle. And he's at the beginning of his cycle and he's not ready to understand yet. If he even wants to, he's very much trapped in the anger of grief, um, which is completely valid in itself. And it's like, I, I love him coming in and smashing, like, oh, this is what's, what's next. Like, stop looking, I'll just smash this. Um, I really like that. And uh, there's a funeral scene, but we're going to yeah. get into that in another video. I'm hesitant to compare this to The Last of Us Part 2, but mm. the scene with Sind- Sindri reminded me of the scene right at the end of The Last of Us Part 2 where Ellie and Joel, spoilers for that game by the way, <laughs> have been fractured because of what she finds out about him uh, doing at the end of the first game. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, nothing he can say is going to get her to forgive him in that moment. She is feeling those emotions and those emotions are valid. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, she kind of says, she gets to the point where she says, look, I'm not going to forgive you right now, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to work to forgive you in the future. And I feel like with Sindri, we will get to that point eventually. Mm-hmm. But in this in-between... He's got to feel those feelings and you can't just say something and make him uh, kind of forget about the fact that he still blames you for his brother dying. And I also love, just as someone who really didn't like the beginning of this game, just who was just like, oh my god, Atreus, can we just have a conversation without you running off and doing stuff, that there is a lasting consequence to that mentality. And, and then Sindri just says, I, I don't even want to talk to you right now yeah. um, because of the damage that you've done by leading with that mentality. And um, I think that works really, really well. If you're a bit, if you're like me and you didn't really get on board with the game until about 15-ish hours in uh, when more stuff happens. But um, shout out to Adam John Harrington, that's the dude who plays Sindri. I had to Google his name. Apologies, I had to Google it. But dude's incredible. Sindri's performance in this is eons above uh, 2018s because the guy gets rounded out so much more um, but yeah let us know what you think down in the comments below where did you come down on the final third of God of War Ragnarok and the Ragnarok depiction itself for now I've been Scott from WhatCulture.com I've been Josh from WhatCulture.com and we'll catch you next time bye bye goodbye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.